0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at LifeHouseChurch.org. Now, watch this. All right. Usually, Usually, I know that you on video. You don't quite appreciate this. There's a giant pool, baptismal pool in front of me. And uh, I think that what some of you were hoping I was going to do was do like a cannonball into the uh, tank. Uh, Usually when you hear, watch this, it's followed by something really stupid. Like somebody's going to ski off their roof, or they're on a bike and they're about to go off some ridiculous, crazy jump, or they're about to skateboard down a really steep mountain, uh, or they're about to jump in the water and go surfing in a hurricane. Now a few of those things I've actually done, uh, I won't tell you which ones, but uh, watch this. Feels a lot like what fate said when we started 2020, right? Like We all feel that, like, like, somewhere, like somewhere someone was like... <laughs> Watch this. And, uh, and then as we got into 2021, we're kind of hoping that chapter was over and there would be a new year. But, but you do have to wonder, how could all of the cutting and the pain and the hurt and the tension of 2020 be a setup to make the year 2021 our best year yet? So I think that's what my father-in-law had in mind. I think he said something like, watch this when he got his chainsaw out. And so I have nicknamed him the butcher of Landis. Now, before you think my father-in-law is some crazy psycho, uh, I gave him that nickname because one day we go up to uh, their house, uh, they live on Landis Ave. And uh, when I, they have like these beautiful trees up there. And when we got there, there was like no branches on the trees. He had, he had butchered, these trees down to just trunks. And so I now call him the Butcher of Landis. And uh, I think that if 2020 was a tree, it would look like the trees in my father-in-law's front yard. That somewhere, fate or life or the pandemic, whatever, just got a chainsaw and just started hacking at our lives and just started lobbing off beautiful limbs to the point where there was very little left except maybe just a trunk. And unfortunately, it feels like the chainsaw is still running in 2021 and uh, maybe more like a buzzsaw. Uh, but when I, when I got there, I was like, oh, oh my goodness, what did you do? what you do to these trees? <laughs> like, is, like why, didn't you, why didn't you just take them all the way down? He's like, ah, give it some time. And, uh, you know, certainly as we look back on a season, a year, feels like it's been a lot of cutting, a lot of important moments hacked out of our life, a lot of precious situations, a lot of valuable branches in our life just got hacked off. And it'd be easy to look at the tree and go, God, what are you doing? Or maybe you're not saying it to God. Maybe you're saying it to the government or the businesses. Or you're saying it when you go into every store like, oh, what are they doing? Why do they make me wear this mask or whatever it is? And you're just like, oh, what are they doing? What is going on? And just so much has been cut off. But let me ask you, what if all of this cutting is pruning? Now, you and I, I realize most of you don't know a whole lot about vineyards and maybe pruning fruit trees. Maybe a few of you do. But what I mean is, imagine instead of it just being hacked off, it was pruned off. I mean, what if... God allowed this season, and please know, I am not suggesting that God sent a pandemic and caused 400,000 people to die in America. And, And, you know, how many ever millions of people across the globe. What I am saying is that could God have used this past year and this season to trim some things out of your life? Maybe he was cutting the busy so you could focus on the meaningful Maybe he was trimming out the temporary to focus you on the eternal. Is it possible that when you look back, you'll go, wow, actually, some things needed to be trimmed that were trimmed, and what's left is important. Maybe it's a, a pruning. And maybe it's left you wondering, you know, what, what do I believe? You know, how do I know what to put my faith in? That, that's a lot of what Uh, people were believing and wondering in the second and third century when the apostle John wrote uh, what became known as the gospel according to John, the the story of the life and teachings from the eyewitness perspective of this guy named John. Now, John wrote to the church around 80 to 90 A.D. The church uh, was filled with second and third uh, generation Christians. What I mean is these are Christians that never met Jesus. Some of them never met somebody. Who personally knew Jesus. So the stories about Jesus were handed down two or three times. And so they're hearing it, and they're wondering, I'm not sure if I can believe this. I'm not sure if this is true. Is it really true that anything good could come out of 2020? Is it it really true that anything good can come out of Jesus? And they're wondering that. Is really anything good come from God? Does anything really good come out of all of the bad that they were experiencing? They were experiencing the tyranny of Rome. They were experiencing the terrors of persecution, and the church was wondering if it was worth it. If what they had gone through really mattered, if it was really worth it, and if anything good could come out of it. And so John, here he is now, an old man. He had had suffered cruelly by Roman persecution that he had been beaten several times, almost put to death on a few occasions. And now he's writing... Possibly from Ephesus, where he was still leading and helping in the church. And he's writing to churches filled with mostly uh, Gentile believers. What I mean, some of you might not be familiar with these terms, so let me explain. Gentile, like you have two groups. You are the Jews and the Gentiles. Jews consider themselves to be the insiders, and everyone else was an outsider. But then Jesus came, and he opened up the message of God to anyone and everyone. The challenge is Gentiles weren't familiar with all of the Old Testament teachings about God. And so now all these people are in the church, and all they know is Jesus, but they don't know the history of God. They don't know the character of God, and so they hear about Jesus, but now they're questioning, can anything good come out of this? And is all of our suffering worth it? And so John, when he writes, he goes, look, I could write book after book after book to explain to you the person of Jesus. And it would wear me out, and it would wear you out reading. So he, so in his book, he says this. We, we jump into the later part. He goes, here's why I wrote this. Here's why I wrote these chapters. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he, he goes, Here, here's my two goals for you, that you would believe... That Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Savior of the world. And that by believing, you would experience the life of God. You'd receive this new life that comes through the name of Jesus. That's awesome. So what, what John is saying is, there's so many things that Jesus did. There's some amazing things Jesus did. The specific things I wrote to you with the goal, I wrote these with the goal of you believing in Jesus, and then because you believe in Jesus, you would experience new life that comes through Jesus. And so, so John had a mission, a vision. He, he was basically looking at these people who were saying, could anything good come out of all of this? And he goes, I can tell you that Jesus is good, and he brings good into and out of all of this whatever tragedies, whatever pains, whatever difficulties you're going through, God is at work in you, and he wants to work through you, and he wants to bring good into your life, and he wants to bring good through your life. And so, you know, John gives these accounts of all these amazing miracles, and his point is simply this. God is not a far away and distant. God is not living somewhere in heaven, ignoring our pain, ignoring our suffering. God is actively at work in the affairs of this world and the intimate details of your life. God cares. Not only can God do something in your life, but God cares enough to do something in your life and to be intimately involved in your life. In fact, the first miracle that John gives us is the first miracle of Jesus, is this one, and it illustrates to you just how much Jesus cares. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him okay so what was the miracle Uh, the miracle is that Jesus and a bunch of his friends are at a wedding which means that Jesus got invited to weddings which means people liked being around Jesus they wanted him to come to their party they wanted him to come to their wedding and Jesus goes to the wedding and at the wedding the uh the host runs out of wine and that's a tragedy, especially in their culture. Now, some of you, you know, you're dry, and that's good. We, we you know, because the challenge is that we live in a, in a nation where we don't really have a concept of moderation. We only drink in excess. And so I'm not, this sermon is not about drinking or anything. But I, I am very much in favor of people who are careful and cautious about alcohol. Uh, I don't want to preach that. But what you discover is Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. And, and how does he do this? Well, he, they, they run out of wine. And in that culture, especially, to run out of wine would be shameful. It would bring shame on the groom. And so, this miracle is really about honor versus shame in a culture where to be shamed would be to be an embarrassment to your whole family. And so, what Jesus does uh, is he says, Okay, fill up those jars. They have these big jars, like you would see in ancient times, about 25 gallons. Uh, would fit in them. He said, fill those up with water. They brought him several of these jars, and he just spoke. And they instantly turned to wine. And they were really good wine. And John writes, and he says, when Jesus did this miracle, his followers, his disciples, believed that he is the Son of God. He was the Messiah. And the idea here is that Jesus cared enough at a wedding, to just to overcome the laws of nature, to do a miracle, to demonstrate that God is actively at work in the intimate details of your life, and God cares about what you and I care about. That he shows it to a party, and he wants to make sure that the groom is not shamed or embarrassed. He wants to make sure that the guests can continue to have a good time. Now, don't read into that and think that that can justify you serving a whole bunch of alcohol in your home, okay? We're not going to go down a rabbit trail here. I'm trying to make a very specific point, that God is at work intimately in the affairs of the world that we live in, and he cares about the intimate details of your life, and he's involved. And what you can almost imagine is Jesus standing there, and he says, Bring me these jars filled with wine. And he goes, he, You could see him almost like lean over to his uh, friends and go, Watch this. And then, I don't know, I don't, think, I don't even think he, it doesn't say he snapped. It just, he, he said, dip your cup in and take it out, and, and immediately it becomes wine. And you get this feeling like, God, God in heaven is like, watch this. Watch what I can do. And every miracle of Jesus is like this watch this moment. It's this moment where, you know, like, you get, you get this picture of Jesus standing up in the boat, and in the middle of a storm, when everybody's scared to death, thinking they're going to die, and he's like, watch this. He, he's standing, looking in the eye, a man who's filled with demons, demons in his mind, real spiritual demons, demons in his emotions, demons from his past. And Jesus looks at the man, and you can almost feel like Jesus just says, watch this. And he does a miracle, and he transforms the man's life. And when John gave us the account of the life of Jesus, what he was really challenging us is that we could experience the miraculous of Jesus in the everyday. That you can invite God into your everyday life and walk in and live in the miraculous every day of your life. And he wants us to experience the miraculous of God in the everyday. And so the, the challenge though, is when we look at the, our life like that tree, and 2020 like this buzz saw this chainsaw that just attacked our life and so much was cut off. The reality is it's not just 2020. You've had bad years before had painful experiences before. Stuff has been cut off before. But outside of God, the cutting is just destroying. It's just stealing. It's just taking. And you know what? This is what Jesus said. He said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy of your heart, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your marriage, the enemy of your mind and your emotions The enemy of your spirit just wants to come steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to not just leave your trunk bare. He wants to chop down the tree of your life and leave you devastated and ruined. And that's what sin is at work in our lives doing. Sin is a spiritual force inside of every one of us pushing us away from God. It's why we question whether God is real. It's why we do the opposite of what God wants us to do. We ignore God and we do what we want because sin isn't just fighting against us like an enemy. Sin is in us, destroying us from the inside out. Sin sets us up for failure and ruin. Sin cuts, but doesn't cut as like a pruning. It cuts to destroy. It steals. It kills. It destroys. And that idea of destroying is that it doesn't just hurt us in this life. It sets us up for a forever without God in judgment. But God was unwilling to leave you and I devastated by sin, constantly attacked by the enemy of our soul where he steals, kills, and destroys. No, God has the ability to step in where the enemy has been cutting and turn it into a pruning. I want to bring you back to the story of, that John's writing. I'm going to hit a few, few moments here. One of them, John is writing in, in chapter four. He says, when, when he arrived, again, really again, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. And, And so, let's keep reading. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee. Remember, this is where he went to the wedding. He turned water into wine, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. They, they welcomed Jesus because they saw, they saw and heard all the miracles of Jesus. And now they wanted Jesus to do more miracles. And this guy from Capernaum, this royal official, goes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is about to die. Would you come with me to heal my daughter? They saw, so they believed, and they wanted Jesus to do more. But many of us, waiting to welcome God into our life until we see the miracles. We're saying we're like waiting for the first miracle. Well God if you'll do this then I'll believe. But God doesn't want us to negotiate with him. He is the miracle. In fact, that's Jesus' response to this man. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Why? Because he's really helped. He wants to drive home the idea that it's not the miracles. The goal is not the signs and wonders. He is the sign and the wonder. Jesus is the best miracle in your life. Uh, Jesus is the the front end and the back end of every miracle in your life. In fact, the point I really want you to take away is that Jesus is the only God miracle we need every day. You want 2021 to be your best year yet? Then live with Jesus as the only God miracle every day this year. Wake up every day and say, Jesus is doing what only God can do in my life. Jesus came to rescue me. Here is why Jesus is the miracle. Because God saw that you and I were being, the the enemy of our soul came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus stepped in and he took the cuts and the devastation and the death of sin on himself. He took on the eternal judgment and he died in our place. But then Jesus, like the way a tree comes back to life in the spring. My my father-in-law's trees within within a short season they started to grow. Within a year, you would have had no idea that he cut those trees back because they, they came fuller to life and they flourished and, and now they, they've got so much life in them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus took all of the cuts, all of the devastation, all of the blows of sin, and then he rose from the dead. He said, watch this. And he let sin give him the best shot it had. Put him to death. But then... Jesus in the grave says, watch this, and he steps out of the tomb victorious over the grave, victorious over sin, victorious over eternal judgment, and then gives you and I his victory. So that when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, we are forgiven of our sins and given that new life and that forever life, so now we have Jesus and his miracle an only God miracle in our everyday life. And if, and if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, maybe you want, you're ready to be done with a season of pain and shame and guilt and frustrations. And you're ready for a new year. Maybe your best year yet. Because you're believing in Jesus. Can I encourage you to simply say yes to Jesus? And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? Simply text the name Jesus to 41411. And when you let us know, we're going to send you a quick link so that you have the tools you need to begin this new journey in relationship with Jesus. Now, what I, what I share with you is this, that Jesus is the only God miracle in your every day. Jesus challenged this community that he did not come only to do miracles, but to be the miracle. Why? Because God being present in our life transforms the cutting into pruning. Right? If sin is cutting out your life, its goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. But when God is at work in your life, in fact, Jesus, when he was teaching, he said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. So God can take the cutting and turn it into pruning. A in a vineyard or maybe even in an orchard, a, a wise farmer, a wise uh vinekeeper, what they do is they have two cutting seasons. In the spring they will trim off a lot of shoots off the off the branches. Why? Because a branch will produce more shoots than, than uh, the amount of grapes it can produce right All those shoots will start to grow grapes, but then the grapes will become weak and unable to fully ripen because there's so many grapes that the vine can't produce enough nourishment. And so a good vine keeper cuts off a lot of the shoots, so that, the, so that the focus would be on the few shoots that can produce the most grapes. So uh, what God does is he takes a cutting, a stripping, a pruning season, and he cuts away the excess so that you can focus on the necessary. Maybe still you're in a cutting season. Would you allow the wisdom... The compassion, the goodness of God to cut away excess, to cut away the temporary, to to cut away the unnecessary, so that your life can focus on the eternal, the valuable, the meaningful, and the essential. Here's what Jesus said the goal of the pruning is This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples that as God trims in your life, your life will begin to produce much fruit. Now, let me, let me talk for a moment about this verse so you understand what I'm saying. The first, the goal is fruit. fruit there's two ideas of fruit that God wants in your life and that God wants to produce in your life this year. The first is the fruit inside of you. That, we'll call that the fruit of the Spirit because that's what other authors call it. In the, in the letter to the Galatian church, Paul said uh, that we should produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so God trims away in your life to bring out of you love, joy, Peace, patience, right? And so some of you, you're not being very loving or patient or kind. Why? It's like God has turned the heat up on the stove of your life and things are beginning to boil because God wants to bring some things to the surface so that he can remove them. Unless you see it, you won't deal with it. And so God will turn up the heat so that you can recognize in your life that you have an anger problem or a self-control problem, or you're not very loving, so he can then clean that out of your life, so he can bring from you the fruit of the Spirit. But it's not just what he's bringing in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. It's what he's doing through your life. God wants to produce much fruit, which is good fruit, Good works, that service and generosity and sacrifice and the work of compassion and the action of kindness and love to those that most need it, right? So Jesus is saying this. He goes, God is at work in your life so that it produces much fruit, but this much fruit is to the Father's glory. Really, the goal is to share and show the love of God in and through your life. The fruit that God wants to bring through your life of service and kindness and compassion and generosity and love is not so you can show off, but so that God can show off through your life. As as you surrender to God... As you allow God to work in your life, God wants to show up and show off and all of the fruit in your life shows God's love. Would you let 2021 be a year where God looks at your life and says, watch this. Watch what only I can do, how I can produce fruit in your life and I can produce good fruit through your life. Let's jump back real quick into this story. The man who came from Capernaum, asking Jesus to heal his child, the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Let me give you the point and then let me explain. You can experience only God miracles when you go all in with God, but you gotta be willing to go all in with God. And when you go all in with God you can't experience only God miracles. This guy traveled over a day to get to Jesus. He said, Jesus, would you do a miracle for me? Would you heal my daughter or my child? I'm sorry. And um, Jesus literally says, "Your, your, your son lives and takes Jesus at his word and walks away and goes back over a day's journey back home at the word of Jesus. In your life, you've got to be willing to go all in. Would you be willing to, to do whatever it takes to get a hold of Jesus? And when you get to Jesus, you take Jesus at his word and you live your life in the confidence that God will do what he said he would do. And when you begin to live like that, you go all in with God. Here's what I mean, all in. What you all think I should do is just jump in the pool um, and illustrate this, all in with God. What I mean is you gotta be willing to go all in with your life. You're not demanding miracles. You're just praying for miracles. You're not saying, God, you must do this. You're saying, God, would you? this? Would you do it in my life? Would you do it through my life? God, I am praying for a miracle in my home. I'm praying for a miracle in my marriage. I am praying for a miracle with my children. I'm praying for a miracle in my finances, a miracle in our church, in our community. Look, this is why the church exists, because we're willing to go all in with God and say, God, we want to be the miracle. In our community. We want to be the miracle in the homes and the neighborhoods around our our cities that God has planted us in and the cities that we're reaching online. Because why? Because we believe that we've got to cut off all of the excess, cut off the unnecessary, and focus our attention on what matters most, what matters forever. So we're not going to expend a bunch of energy on things that are wasteful, things that don't matter forever. We're going to put our energy on seeing lives change and hearts transform. Because as a church, we want to be about what God is about, about inviting and experiencing the only God miracles by going all in with God. And so I want to invite you, would you go all in with God? Go all in with God by being part of what God's doing, by saying yes to God. God, you can have it all. You can have every aspect of my life and I'm not demanding a miracle. I'm offering myself to be part of the miracle. And God wants you to participate in His miracles, to be a partner with Him in the miracles He wants to do in your life, in your home, neighborhood, city. He's inviting the church to participate with Him in the miracles that He wants to do in our city, in our communities this year. And I believe, as a, I lead LifeHouse. And we believe that our responsibility is to invite only God's miracles into the cities God's put us in. In Washington County and Franklin County. That's where we physically live we also reach beyond that through our online campus to other states and other nations. And we want to see God do what only God can do wherever we can reach. And so we want to to be able to be part of feeding the hungry and caring for the poor and being the solution to issues of division and hate and hurt. Where racism and prejudice can devastate that we come in and bring healing and hope. Where we can can be the response of God, being fathers and mothers to broken homes and broken families. Where we can step in and see people freed from addictions. We can see people rescued out of human trafficking where the church is the response of God to the greatest needs in our community, where the church multiplies. Why? Because we say, tag, you're it. And every one of us are willing to go all in by sharing and showing the love of Jesus with people far away from God. And so I'm going to challenge you, tag, you're it. We multiply when you are willing to go and share God's love with someone else, and then you're free to invite them right here with you to join you at LifeHouse, whether in person or online, where you can be part of what God is doing in and through His church. We believe that God wants to transform a neighborhood, a city, and a nation. And as for, just for me, I believe that God is on the move and God is at work. God did it before, and He can do it again. God did it. He what was trimmed and cut in 2020 was a setup for what God wants to do in 2021. The the pruning is preparation and a promise for the work of God this year. And you've got to have pruning before prosperity. There's got to be a trimming before the flourishing. And I just want to be a tree where God looks at my life, and that is the planting of the Lord where the fruit of God is growing in me and growing through me. And I want us to be a church where God's purposes prosper. And I invite you to be part of what God is doing, the vision of God through LifeHouse, that we are a multiplying church, that we wanna see more people come to faith in Jesus. We wanna see more people baptized. We wanna see more people say yes to Jesus. We wanna see more people mobilized in serving, in loving, in giving, in getting involved in the crises in our community. We want to see the church expand and grow by starting new campuses, by starting new churches, by resourcing more missionaries and sending missionaries across the globe to continue to meet real needs, real needs of Crisis to be on the response in relief situations, to be actively involved in, in the major crises in our community and across the globe, and you're part of that, simply when you're willing to go all in with God and you go all in with the church and you become part of the vision of God in and through the church, and you begin to participate in only God' size. Miracles. I don't know about you, that's what I want. And so I want to take a moment, I want to pray over us that this year we would begin to live in only God miracles and we would become part of. Participants in only God sized miracles. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't just leave us on our own, but you stepped in and you showed up and you began to do miracles that demonstrated that you were from heaven, you were God in human form, and that you could do the impossible in impossible situations. And God, when we look at this year, we see a lot of impossible situations. <laughs> believe that these impossible situations are just the front end of miracles. And so we're asking that you would show up in our lives and allow us to become part of an only God miracle. Would you produce fruit in our life? Would you produce fruit through our life? And God, would you begin to do the impossible Would you begin to do only God miracles through our serving and giving, through our love and our compassion? Would you do only God miracles through LifeHouse Church? Would you do only God miracles through the four-hour city efforts? Would you do only God miracles through multiplying your church? Would every one of us become an only God miracle? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.